some bad hombres here and we're gonna get them out bing bing bong bong bing 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 i love china what do you think i think most of all that we need to find them first right. we need to look for the evidence we need to prove them and we need to think about the theories later i'm very anthropologically and biologically based but i have this whole area of psychology in my training in my life too and so i i have room enough to listen to everybody's theories but it really gets in the way we need to just go out there and it's actually women that are going to discover them Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Horror Hookups on Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. This is Maddie. And this is Andrew. And we are so happy to bring to you a very unique horror hookup tonight. Yes, it's something we've never done before. Um, and you better just get ready. Strap yourself in, because we're going squatching, people. We're going squatching. Tonight we have with us um, Jen from the She Squatchers. Jen, how are you? I'm fantastic, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're really excited. Um, we met Jen and and Jenna at um, Horror Hound Weekend, and we saw that their their unique stance is that they are the only all female led team looking for Sasquatch in the Midwest. So that caught our eye right away. And being you know women positive and LGBTQ positive, and on this podcast, we knew we had to have at least one of them on to talk through everything because we are novices in the Sasquatch world. I don't know about you, Maddie. Well, we're novices for sure, but I think both of us and Michael included, producer Michael, um, I think we were all converted to Sasquatching yeah. um, at Horror Hound because we went in. What was the room called where we were? That was the cryptid room, factor fiction, room? factor fiction mm-hmm. room. Let me tell you what, we had one hell of a time in this room, and when we met the She-Squatchers, we knew we found something special. So this is going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, um, so Jen, uh, we kind of just want to start with, like, how how did the She-Squatchers get started? Like, what's your origin story? Well, first of all, I don't think that we're the only all-female team, but we were the first all-female team in the Midwest. So I know that there's lots of other women that are out there doing this now. So uh, I can't say that there were. That I, I know that we're not the only one, but we were definitely the first in the Midwest. You were the source for uh, inspiration. Amen. Oh, you wouldn't believe the ladies that come up to us at events and say now they want to do this. <laughs> So, yeah, definitely. Uh, but it, it all started out, I had a paranormal radio show for quite a few years, and I had scored an awesome interview with Lauren Coleman. He's the cryptozoologist you see on TV all the time. He's got the crypt- International Cryptozoology Museum in Maine. And uh, so I, I scored an interview with him. And to be honest with you, I did not believe in Bigfoot at the time. Really didn't know much about it. Had never even given it two seconds of thought of whether or not I thought Bigfoot was real. I just never thought about it. But I thought this will be a great interview. During that interview, he was so passionate and so knowledgeable about his topic that it was becoming extremely interesting to me. And then he said some things that really got my attention. 
It was his idea to send women into the woods without men, dogs, or guns hmm. because he thought that would be the recipe for success in finding Bigfoot. And he had quite a few reasons why that would be. Uh, he said, first of all, women have a good rapport with the great apes, uh, such as Jane Goodall's work with the chimpanzees. Yeah, makes uh, sense. And he just he just thought that would extend also to Bigfoot. Uh, the other reason was he, he said, uh, we never see family units of Bigfoot crossing the road or from, from roadways. Huh. We always see these young males that are out on their own. They're probably doing all the things they're not supposed to be doing. Uh, and he thought these younger male Bigfoots would be naturally inclined to come a little closer to check out some ladies if they didn't <laughs> have anything threatening with them like men, dogs, or guns. So uh, during the show, I actually jokingly volunteered right on the spot, like, hey, there, big boy, I'll go out there and do that. You know, but, you know, I was kidding. But by the end of the by the end of the interview, I, I honestly volunteered on the air. Wow. So I grabbed some girlfriends and off we went out into the woods. I honestly still did not believe in Bigfoot, but I was open minded enough to go have a look. <laughs> wow, that's cool. And, yeah. That's yeah, really I was shocked. I was shocked to find stuff. No, those really, those same girlfriends that you went out with that day, are they still part of the group? There is one that's still part of the group. She's inactive just because of her personal family things that are going sure, on. Sure. She's not she's not able to travel with us. Um, you know, I think she's been able to come to one time out in the last two years. But she still helps with things online that she can do. Um, she wishes she could come out with us more, but she just doesn't live close enough to us uh, to make it very often. So one thing uh, that I'm wondering also if you could level set for us, Jen, because we, yeah. we're talking about Sasquatch. I heard you mention Bigfoot before. We've we've talked about, you know, we've heard about Yeti before and other variations of this. There's a lot of variations on sort of the classic folktale or, or the classic being themselves in reality. Um, and they seem to vary from culture to culture. And I know, like, for me, I am personally confused on, is is there a difference? Are they the same? Could you maybe just level, as we get into this conversation about Sasquatch and the work that you do, could you maybe level set for us and for our listeners, um, is there any difference, that kind of thing? I really think that they're the same things. Sasquatch is just a, like a native word for Bigfoot. Uh, so that is definitely the same thing. But the Yeti, I, I also think that's a very similar thing. But even within that category in the United States alone, you know, we have had the skunk ape in in Florida, which is a Bigfoot, but it seems to have a little bit different characteristics. So I do think oh. that there are perhaps different variations of, of Bigfoot. Maybe they're different races or slightly different species um, or d different adaptations of the same species. Interesting. Um, but, but it's all really the same thing. I was fairly sure that the only skunk ape that lived in Florida was my ex, but I'm apparently incorrect about that. I'm glad you corrected me now. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, now, speaking of um, kind of, you know, the differences or the non-differences, you know, can you tell us a little bit about like the history of, of Sasquatch and like, you know, what fascinates him? Um, what, what about him fascinates for you? Well, I am part Native American uh, from the Ojibwe or Chippewa tribes in Minnesota. And actually, Bigfoot Sasquatch is part of the teachings of the people, that the seven sacred teachings of the grandfathers, which are thousands of years old. Wow. Uh, each of the seven sacred teachings is represented by an animal, a known animal, like the eagle, the, the bear, 
the turtle, uh, the wolf. These are all animals that represent one of the sacred teachings. And Bigfoot, or what the people call Sabe or Gichi Sabe, uh, is representing honesty. Huh. One of the, the the sacred teaching of honesty because Bigfoot so lives the most honest life. So all the other animals that are representing one of the seven sacred teachings are known animals. That's, it would be weird for them to select an animal that did not exist or that they weren't sure existed to represent one of their seven sacred teachings. This is as sacred to them as the Ten Commandments are to the Christians. Wow. So, you know, it's a big deal. So this has been a for sure thing for the people, the native people for a long, long time. And a lot of the, the, the native stories and the native beliefs about Bigfoot across the country, even in Canada, from the various tribes, they're so similar. Yeah. They're yeah. so similar. That's How so could it not be true? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, your, your, your logic is, um, more than I ever would have expected, I guess. I mean, same. I, I think that when we, in our popular culture now, where we are trying to basically exploit anything and everything so that we can get on TV, uh, a lot of people are just going out there and making fools about themselves, uh, doing this on, you know, like Sci Fi Channel or um, one of the other A and E or whatever. But um, it's very interesting to hear that it's actually rooted in some sort of, you know, actual um, Native American lore. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I know Native people who, from our reservation, that, I mean, just yesterday, somebody was telling me that a seven to eight foot tall Bigfoot walked past him in the woods what? and didn't notice that he was there. He was hunting and he, he was just standing still and the Bigfoot walked past. Holy and shit. he was scared to death. It just gave me the chills. <laughs> God almighty. Yeah. Daddy, yeah. daddy, daddy walks slower. My goodness. <laughs> So, Jen, too, um, I mean, let's let's face it, you don't need me to tell you this. You you know that there are people out there who think that this is all nutty, right? That this is all, this isn't true, that uh, it's a waste of time for you to do this. Um, it's, it's just silly. It's a complete myth. Could you speak to what the importance is of the pursuit of discovering real evidence of Sasquatch? Well, first of all, I would say to them, I was totally with you on that. I didn't believe in Bigfoot because I grew up in the state of Minnesota in the woods. We lived off the land uh, and I was in the woods by myself all the time as a kid. And I never saw anything to lead me to believe that there was such a thing as Bigfoot. But as soon as I went looking for Bigfoot in areas that Bigfoot had been spotted, uh we started finding evidence of this and even had interaction with Bigfoot. What? And that Yes, it was just crazy. Um, I was totally shocked <laughs> to find something myself. I was, I was just in shock because although I was open-minded, I really didn't expect to find anything because inside I didn't really believe in it, but I was open-minded. Yeah, it's um, kind of like when you're doing a Ouija board and you're like, nothing's really going to happen. Totally, exactly. But, <laughs> but I'm open to it. <laughs> eat, eat pizza now. <laughs> right, right. As far as why is it important to find out if Bigfoot is real scientifically, I don't think that it's necessarily an important thing to do for that reason because Bigfoot is doing very well without without us huh. uh, interfering with Bigfoot in his life. Uh, you know, I, I heard a very good argument from a native man not that long ago who said, uh, if, if I knew where Bigfoot lived and Bigfoot had a village, 
uh, where his tribe lived, I wouldn't tell anybody because what are they going to do? Put them on reservations? Mm-hmm. Wow. And I thought, oh my gosh, I never even thought of that. You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. That's a... So you you mentioned um, kind of going out and having some compelling evidence and some inter- may, maybe even an interaction, as you mentioned. Um, can you tell us what do you think is your most um, compelling piece of evidence? Oh, boy. Well, uh, probably our... Well, there's different... It, people have different ideas of what is the best kind of evidence. Uh, I think probably... There's a tie, in my opinion, on that. Last October, we were at the Tennessee Bigfoot Conference. They sold tickets for people to come out bigfooting with us, and we weren't allowed to take them out after dark. Uh, so the team and, and Matthew Dell from Micro took them out during the day, and then at night, just the team and Matthew Delph uh, went out back out into the same area and uh, we actually captured some thermal footage oh, wow. of a Bigfoot and it's on our YouTube channel at She Squatchers Official. The, that particular video is called uh, Tennessee Bigfoot Expedition. Cool. Yeah, we'll definitely so, link to that. Yes, yes. So uh, we the, the thermal setting on the, the camera was set to black hot, which shows bare skin is gray or black uh, and it shows hair is stark white so it's really easy to see you know something that's very furry show up Mm -hmm. in the woods it shows up as stark white Uh, and so there's a stark white creature sitting there uh, with a conal shaped head and huge muscular arms working with something on the ground so and we have over six minutes of video that we uploaded we actually have more video than that but uh, that's how much we uploaded cool (laughs) wow Um, I have a question for you, Jen. Um, we know we live in Chicago. There's not a lot of woods around us, right? Um, are there any sightings close to Chicago that you know of where, you know, folks like, like me and Andrew could go even and like, check it out? Um, there is a park, uh, I I think it's called Starved Rock State Park. Oh yeah. We know Starved Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that there's sightings over there, but you've got to be careful with the, with the, uh, the cliffs and stuff that you have to stay on the trails because people say that people fall off cliffs over there all the time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, and, and speaking of that too, is, is there like a best time of the year to go squatching? It really depends on where you live hmm. um, and where you are at the time. Like for us, fall is the best time because it's not so terribly hot. The foliage isn't so thick. And of course the ticks and mosquitoes are crazy up in Minnesota. Oh yeah. But Fall is the best time for us because the the bugs the bugs have died down, and uh, the foliage is is pushed down, and uh, it just really is the best time of the year for us. Um, and uh, we we don't do anything in the winter time mostly because of the dense forest that we want to get into we can't drive up anywhere near them, and we would need major snowshoes to to walk back in there. <laughs> yeah, seriously, especially Minnesota. Gosh, um, right. So when you go out on, um, I guess I'll call it an expedition. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yes. Um, do you are you guys going out for you know a couple days? Are you camping? Like, talk me through a little bit of your process there. Well, it really depends on where we are and how long we're, we're going to be allowed to be there. Um, in, in Minnesota, sometimes we do tent it. Um, but then other times, if we're on, say we're on an Indian reservation, uh, 
maybe we don't have permission to be tenting there. So oh, okay. we have to stay at a hotel uh, <laughs> or, or tent off the reservation somewhere. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. So it really depends on where we are and where we're looking. Um, my favorite places to look are on Indian reservations because it just seems to me like Bigfoot is there more frequently than off. Um well, it seems like he'd be it, more amongst his his people, really. I mean, if you if you think about their lore and what you mentioned before, I'm thinking that even if they found him, they're not going to exploit him like somebody else would. Yeah, they rarely even report it to Bigfoot researchers when they see one. Wow. Uh, they they usually take it as some a spiritual message that they've seen Bigfoot. So they if they tell anybody, they they tell their spiritual advisor or what you might think of as a medicine man, uh, oh. to ask him what the message was to interpret that for them, why they saw Bigfoot in their, today. Like, what would that mean in, as a spiritual message to them in their life? So that's how they interpret those things. They wouldn't necessarily call up the BFRO or, or researchers like myself to let them know that they saw Bigfoot. Um, it's And the only reason why they tell me is because they know me, I'm part of the tribe, uh, and, and they, they, you know, they know me well enough to talk to me about it. <laughs> That's so, really cool. It has me thinking about this in a totally different light. I'll be totally honest with you. Me too, seriously. And and Jen, one, you know, I've, I've never really been into Bigfoot, right? But I am quite into extraterrestrials and aliens. Um, and I like firmly believe, of course, that there's life in the universe besides us. And one day, you know, we, we will be visited. I think that we've been visited already. Um, but you know, I've always kind of thought like when we finally have like incontrovertible proof of aliens, right? Like we have like a photo, we have like what they look like that it's going to like really, I hope like in my heart, I hope that it's going to change the way that people look at each other. Like, you know, how could, how could we have racism again? If we see people that look so different from us, things that look so different from us that we could only finally come to the conclusion that like, we are just really all people. Right. So if you were to find incontrovertible proof of, of, of Bigfoot, of Sasquatch, what do you think that would do for our world today? Well, I, I think it would definitely open a lot of people's eyes to the possibilities of, of what is out there. Because it, it, a lot of people just immediately assume that Bigfoot is not real because they haven't found a skeleton or a body yet. Mm -hmm. or, or they are not aware that somebody has found a skeleton or a body yet. Because there's people out there that say that they have had one and the government came and took it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, uh you know, I, who's to say for sure? You know, I, I don't doubt that that happened. I really mm -hmm. don't. What do you hope? Uh, would, what do you hope would happen? I, I guess I would hope that they wouldn't that they wouldn't try to round them up or to. I I, I would hope that they would still leave him alone because yeah. they're they obviously want to live their life in peace. Um, according to the the stories from the, my tribe, they are a people. They're not an animal. Hmm. They are a people hmm. that our tribe used to trade goods with. Oh wow. Um, yeah, they we the people used to put items in a in a basket and leave it in a specific place and they'd go back the next day and the basket would be there filled with other things that were hard or difficult for the people to get to to gather those things. So they were leaving things for each other back and forth. That is fascinating. Um, My mind is blown right now. <laughs> yeah. And and that the and our tribe isn't the only tribe that has stories like that. There's a lot of other tribes that talk about trading goods with them in that way. 
Now, are you originally um, from Minnesota, or or do you hail from another land? <laughs> I was born and raised in Minnesota. <laughs> okay, I can I, I can I can a- sense the slight twang of that of the Minnesota accent. So I didn't know oh, yeah. if it was yeah. <laughs> And and I live in Fargo, Moorhead, so it, it's like a, their sister cities. If, we, if you saw the movie Fargo, mm-hmm. well, yeah, you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love it! Yes. Oh, the only reason I ask is because uh, one of my one of my personal favorite movies is uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous, and I just oh, that that movie exploits that accent to to a T. <laughs> <laughs> so Jen, Jen, too, tell us a bit about because you you know you had your um your your radio show before, which was called Say That Again, please. The old show was called The Calling. My new show is called The Journey. Gotcha. And so this this deals with sort of the paranormal, the mysterious. And so I'm wondering for you, where did the initial call to explore the mysterious side of life, the the other side of, of reality, where did that come from? Was that always a calling that you had with you, do you think? You know, I've always been intuitive. And uh, as, a, as a small child, I learned to hide that because it seemed to scare people when I would say things like Great Aunt Gladys just died. And oh, then, weird. <laughs> you know, things like that. It, it scared people because then we get a phone call that she just died, you know. Um, and, and so I learned very quickly what scared my parents mm-hmm. and, my, and my family. So I just really quickly learned what not to talk about. And I just hid those things. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I really started to embrace that and and tr- stop trying to make it go away because it never really did go away. It was just always there and it would pop out and, and things would happen. And, you know, if I had knowledge that somebody was supposed to go to the hospital right now i couldn't not tell them that i would start crying because i could kept, would keep seeing their flesh rot off their bones like they were dying um oh and so i would tell them you need to go now go now um and you know because it was so um it was so overwhelming to my senses and and my feelings that they were dying um and i knew that they had to go in now or they would die so i mean and and those types of things have always happened to me and i, yeah, I couldn't suppress those you know i i went with it and, and passed on those messages um you know and and people would go in because i was crying and sobbing and demanding that they go now and the doctor's like why did you come in and and they told him because my friend freaked out and she was crying and saying something was really wrong with me. And and the doctor said, well, had you waited till there were symptoms, you would have died in the car because your brain is swelling. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is insane. <laughs> I, that, and, it's also, I, it, that, and then that's got to be such a weird thing for a physician to hear because they're so fact-based in their thinking. I, I work with physicians on a regular basis, so they're so fact-based that to hear somebody come in on a whim and then that's what's going on, that that is insane. Yeah, they, they went home and had a few whiskeys, let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, the doctor told told this lady it was a miracle because wow. it was her son that I was seeing this about. I, I kept seeing his flesh rotting off his bones and I and every time I looked at him and I would just like, something's wrong, you know? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, so, that's crazy. Yeah, it, well, I thank you, you know, for... Things like that have always happened for me. And, um, you know, when you're intuitive like that, ghosts like to talk to you and come after you and talk, you know, try to get your attention. And, and so the, the mysterious, the weird, the paranormal has always been part of my life, whether I wanted, to, wanted it to be there or not. And it wasn't until my 30s that I started to more embrace that and 
come out of the psychic closet, so to speak, because um, <laughs> I I was scared to tell people because I thought they would think I was weird and reject me, you know. And yeah, well, we have a gay horror podcast. <laughs> we have the same looks. Yeah, that's the truth. Guys, we, get to go. we get it. Jen. So, we get it, Jen. <laughs> good for you. Thank you. Uh, so seriously, it it was it was. It was just always been part of my life. And so when I started to embrace that part of my life, uh, it, it got more. My senses increased. I became more and more aware of things. And I went through what I would call a spiritual awakening where my psychic gifts just exploded into more and more and more. And that really was um, when I started really exploring consciousness. And I always, you know, Star Trek is hmm. based, the final frontier, things like that. I always say it's not the final frontier. Yeah. Our final frontier is consciousness because that will take you anywhere. Um, wow. And so, you know, whether you're talking astral projection or or uh, parallel universes or whatever, all that stuff, I wanted to know and explore that kind of thing. So I was into paranormal. I was doing, I'm a remote viewer. I can remote view locations from far away. And I was actually doing that for paranormal investigation teams for a few years. I was remote viewing locations before they would go there or receive information about it. They would just be asked to look at this place and they would give me the, either the address or the GPS coordinates. And I would look at it and tell them what I was seeing there. And we found out that I'm extremely, extremely accurate. Um, I was seeing things that um, didn't make sense to be there uh and you know i would still write them down and you know here's what i saw but i don't know you know one of the one of the cases was just so bizarre that uh you know i saw a a spirit bear looking at itself and it didn't want to be here anymore and then there was three indians always staring at this bear and i explained one that one of them had uh, indian feathers on his head the next one had a wolf pelt on his head and the one next to that had a bison fur with horns on his head and they're always staring at the bear and then i said i saw a hunter running at me screaming about something that he never should have done and uh i saw a human a dead human body in the house that was not part of a cremation and it was not buried and yes they knew it was there but they did not kill that person and i said i i've asked every question i can think of to find out more information about why that would be true but i i just don't understand what's going on there it just isn't part of a cremation they know it's there they didn't kill the person and it's not buried i said that makes no sense to me why somebody would have a human dead body in their house um and uh then i saw tree spirits which i didn't know what they were i kept seeing these these funny looking spirits running through the house just really angry and raging mad and i i kept asking what is that what is that what is that and i finally understood that they were tree spirits and i'm like i don't know why there would be tree spirits in the house but they are really mad at these people and and so uh i gave that the information to the to the to the to the crew uh they said i don't know jen maybe you're not maybe you're kind of off here and i said well i don't know but that's what i saw yeah (laughs) So Maybe you're having an off they went day. there and the guy <laughs> called me and he's like, wow, his first thing I see when I walk in the door is this giant stuffed bear, a real bear. And across from that on the wow. wall are these three Indian masks with one with the feathers, the next one with the, with the wolf pelt, the next one with the bison fur oh, and the horns. Up. And they're on the wall staring at the bear. <laughs> And oh my God! And then that, he went that is... in the basement, and Oof. it was filled with all these dead, mutil- mutilated animals. The man who lived there was an amateur taxidermist who was trying 
to learn how to do taxidermy. So he was going out and just killing animals so that he could try to, to, to stuff them, basically. And he was really not doing well and really just filled with dead animals down there. And uh, Ring, ring. Right. And that, was the, that was this about the Norman hunter speaking. that was telling me something that shouldn't have been done. And then he said, you're not going to wow. believe this, but they have a human dead body in their house. I said, what? <laughs> Tell me about that. Wait, and that's wh- what I had said. They huh? had a dead human body in their house. and uh, But I couldn't figure out why anybody would have that other than a cremation. And it wasn't that. And he said wow. they purchased wow. a mummy from a museum that went out of business. Oh nope, my god. Nope. I'm gonna tell you what right now, you can't do that. That's not a good idea. That that is a curse right? waiting to happen. And so I mean that was just bizarre. And he said, and then he said you know, they said they'd never had anything paranormal happen to them before until the one day the tree fell down in the front yard and then all hell broke loose in their house. And so that was the tree spirits in the house. They were mad about them killing the animals. <laughs> So, I mean, it was very, it's very specific information that really doesn't make sense until you go and see the story behind it. Um, But that's how I, you know, just doing cases like that, I learned, I can, I'm extremely accurate and I just learned to trust what I'm seeing and go with that. So when, when Lauren Coleman suggested that women go into the woods without men, dogs or guns looking for Bigfoot, I I was interested in trying that as an, the all female Bigfoot experiment, as we like to call it. But on Mm -hmm. the side note, my other idea was, you know, I can look at places from afar and see what's going on there. Can I look at the woods from afar and find Bigfoot before we get there? And so that's oh, really how we're really different than anybody else is we are doing that. And the answer is yes, we can find Bigfoot without going there first. And so that's uh, most of the stuff that we found we found through remote, remote viewing and, and other and other senses. Like I can sense the energy now that I've pinpointed the frequency of what Bigfoot wow. feels like as an energy. Um, I can actually feel it driving by. <laughs> so there was one time we were driving 50. <laughs> well, God, that's got to be so unsettling. You're just like watching your shows at night and then you're like, oh, I, I'm sensing Bigfoot. <laughs> well, actually we were driving <laughs> no, down the road and, and I was riding in the car. And we're going like 55 miles an hour and I screamed, stop the car. There's something back there. And we went back and found uh, a way to get back in that little woods. And behind it was a gravel pit that we didn't know was there. And there were footprints that were fresh that were going up this really steep gravel pit hill. And uh, we had actually had Bobo from Finding Bigfoot on TV look at that. And he said, wow, that hill is so steep that that had to be a Bigfoot. It had to be a Bigfoot. Uh, because it couldn't hmm. have been a man or a bear to be to be tall enough. Wow, oh, this is just it's yeah. it's such an amazing conversation. Um, because I I know but for Andrew too, I think I'm speaking for you fine here, yeah. right? Like I mean, we we haven't really ever had a conversation about Bigfoot until we met Jenna at at Horror Hound, mm-hmm. and now going more in depth. This has just been so illuminating. It really has been. I've never really thought about the myth and about how it relates to Native American culture and and really just thinking a little bit more logically about it. It's really it's yeah. quite quite interesting. Yeah, you're shedding a whole new light on a topic that I, before this, probably didn't... It's not that I didn't want to know about it. It just never entered my vernacular, really, besides yeah. being on TV or whatever. 
Um, one thing I did want to ask you, just from uh, it being an all-female team and being in an industry um, that I would think is uh, used to be, at least, um, a lot more male-dominated, was there any um, negativity thrown at you guys or anything like that when well, you guys started? Well, for the most part, they have they've welcomed us with open arms to our faces. Now, so sometimes I think they, they thought, oh, yeah, these ladies. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so that's why we... we for a long time, we would start bringing a TV along with us to events where we could show video of the things that we found right at our booths so that people could see, you know, we really get out there and we really do find things. And that really started get, getting people's attention that, hey, we're for real. We're not just out there sure. taking pictures and um, posing in the woods. <laughs> yeah, so, for sure. Uh, we actually do find structures and we find footprints and we found hair samples and you know, we've gotten video, thermal video of, of what we believe to be Bigfoot. So all those kinds of things. And, wow. and, uh, and it's just, it's really fun. And, and we, when we get to go to events, because we've been speaking at various Bigfoot conferences, which we love to do, uh, we're actually leaving next week to go. We're the headlining speaker at the Georgia Bigfoot Conference next weekend. Next weekend, Ooh, starting fun. a week from today. Uh, and uh, so we'll be in, in Clayton, Georgia, which is like an hour and a half north of Atlanta. Uh, and they actually sold they sold they sold tickets for people to go out bigfooting with us there, and yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. So we'll be taking a group out again, and and uh, I'm sure that just us bigfooters will go out again after dark because that's what we like to do too. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, it you know definitely a good time that we it allows us to go looking for bigfoot in other areas other than just where we live and so we we feel very fortunate to have gotten to look in in virginia in indiana in kentucky in uh in in tennessee uh ohio next month we are speaking at the sasquatch summit in ocean shores washington i've never even been to washington before i can't wait to get there oh it's a beautiful state you're gonna love it it's an absolute just paradise yes oh and we've looked in illinois Truly. <laughs> We've looked at oh, nice. Oh, yes. Well, when you're here yes, next, yes. please let us know. Yeah, and we, we periodically make trips up to Wisconsin yeah. and uh, over there, so we might need to look you up at fantastic. some point. Um, but and just to kind of go along those lines for anyone that's out there that is, you know, just starting their uh, Sasquatch journey or wanting to get into this a little bit more. Um, what advice do you have for those people? Absolutely. Get out there and, and look for yourselves. You know, here's the thing. No matter what we find, I tell my team, no matter what we find, people are always going to question its authenticity. And we can't be hurt by that idea because we're skeptical too. We're skeptical of everything that other people find. When we find it ourselves, it's like a done deal. But for us, but to everybody else, it's a skeptical thing. So the best thing you can do is go out there and have an adventure yourself. Granted, this is not for everybody. We've had lots of different ladies on our team throughout the years. And when when we have an encounter in the woods and rocks are being thrown at us and something's walking towards us in the dark, that gets kind of scary. And sometimes ladies get in the car and they don't want to do this anymore, you know, yeah, because it can be very, very scary. So wow. uh, it's not for everybody, <laughs> but definitely get out there and, and, and see what you find so that you know for yourself, if it interests you. I, I think that there's so many great mysteries in this world to explore that you could do your whole life exploring just mystery after mystery until you feel satisfied that you've learned enough about it and move on to the next thing that, you know, you could just live in a, in a state of constant awe and wonder of the things that you could learn about. 
So speaking of learning, how can our listeners find She Squatchers on the internet, on on other podcasts, on Okay. You can find our website at SheSquatchers.com. And right at the top of the page, you should be able to see a link for Facebook. And you're going to want to follow that and like like our page there because that is where we're going to be posting the most up-to-date information. Uh, the website isn't updated as much as, as Facebook is always real-time, what's going on with us. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, we are on Twitter uh, under She Squatchers. And uh, our YouTube channel is She Squatchers Official. And... Uh, yeah, and my radio show is the Journey Radio Show. And tell us, uh, to you know, pimp that a little Mostly bit. What what is that all about? about? Is that still Bigfoot. a, a paranormal thing? What are you doing on there? Had experiences with Bigfoot, but sometimes we talk about other things. Uh, you know, if we get if we get a request from people to talk about empaths or some type of other psychic thing or ghosts or whatever, we'll talk about whatever people want to talk about. Um, I can talk about any of those subjects with quite uh, quite a lot of ease. <laughs> so, <laughs> obviously, we've go, we've gone all oh, so all over the place in this conversation that I did not expect to go Same that way. Here, so. Same. Yeah, um, we've really appreciated you coming on, Jen. Um, we hope that we can have many more conversations with the She Squatchers in the future. Um, I know that we are all liked up on Facebook, awesome. and we're ready to go. Well, so keep up all the information and, coming. And uh, I love what you're doing. Good job. Thank oh, you so thank much. Thank you so much. So, uh, and thank you for being with us. Yeah, as always, listeners, we invite you to get slayed.
The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the U.S. Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP.